This podcast is produced by Unedited. Hello, people, and welcome to episode 20 of The Dreamer's Disease. My name's Alex Manzi, and on each episode, we'll hear the stories of someone inspirational who is doing something that they're really passionate about and really into and creating their own path through doing it. On this week's episode, I'm joined by Raid Khan, who is an amazing guy. He does a lot of work and has done a lot of work within the music industry from working in press to starting up his own blog, which is now just growing and growing and growing to digital marketing. But most recently, he set up his own charity called Road to Freedom, where he goes and raises funds and creates care packages and aid to deliver to refugees in refugee camps in France and all different countries. It's amazing to hear his story and his passion behind how he got into it, how he's built up the charity, where he wants it to go. Before we dive in, I'd like to thank you as ever for your time, for listening to the podcast. It really means a lot. If you want to keep up to date, you can head over to your podcast app on your phone, search Dreamers Disease, hit that subscribe button. You can also head over to Instagram and follow the underscore Dreamers Disease for daily inspiration and motivation. So on that note, let's dive straight in and let's hear Raid's story. So my name is Raid Khan. I work at a management company called Quietus. I'm also the editor-in-chief at MTV's The Wrap-Up. I run my own blog called Part of My Blog. And as of two years ago, I started setting my own charity called Road to Freedom. Yeah. So first of all, like, how do you do all of that stuff at the same time? It's, it's hard. <laughs> like, it is. But um, I think each thing I care about a lot. Like, I love music. Um, I wanted to, when I, was, I became a writer, like, a few years ago for, like, different magazines. But at the same time, I was always thought that I was quite tired of, like adhering to different house styles and, and sometimes filtering what I'm saying and I was like do you know what I'm going to set my own thing up so that's when part of my blog came about mm. yeah and I fell into MTV as a staff writer originally worked my way up and I'm the editor and yeah in terms of the artists that work at a management company I like and I help them out with the digital side and then Road to Freedom kind of came kind of, that came like as a surprise to even me because I never knew I saw I mean I cared I've always cared about people but um, to this extent I didn't know until something triggered like two years ago and I was like what is happening and then that's when I knew I had to do something yeah yeah that's cool and do, do you feel like everything you've done so far or do you believe in even that the fact of like everything happens for a reason and you're kind of like every little step you've made has led you to this point rather than you going out and seeking it yeah no I do agree with that like I don't think I've ever been like like I mean I've been off the rails in terms of like partying and stuff like that but I've always tried to maintain to be a good person I think just kind of everything that's happened and how where I'm do what I'm doing now and like just and even my friends and family like being involved I think like I'm glad it kind of although it did I feel like I've done it started late I feel like at least I've started now yeah so yeah in a sense I do think yeah. I'm for the right reasons and the reason I say that is because a few weeks ago we bumped into each other randomly in Shoreditch yeah and you were like, oh, Manzi, when you get me on the podcast? <laughs> yeah, and yeah. I literally, I, I showed you the list earlier. Yeah, yeah, of yeah. The list of names. And you were one of the original people I had on the list. And that day or the day before, I was thinking about, okay, who do I want to get in the next batch of recordings? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, so I was going through my list and then I bumped into you. Mad. And then like three weeks later, here we are. We made it happen. Yeah, like, yeah. Sat down, sorted it out, made it happen. We've got some other stuff we can talk about later yeah, that we're yeah, doing yeah, together course, later yeah, in yeah. the year. And that's all kind of spiraled out of that one bumping into each other. That's like, what, like for a minute? Yeah, <laughs> if that it was. Yeah, I haven't seen you in so long as well. Yeah, so exactly. Yeah, so it was yeah, like yeah. a quick, like little catch up. Yeah, 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 yeah. We're we'll doing this. I'm gonna do but that. I, hey, I, let's catch up. Hundred percent. I think it's good as well because I've seen like 
like they're friends, but at the same time, I'm just like, oh, even if I wasn't friends with the people that you've had on here, I'm in awe of them because of what they do. As I think each of us individually do our own sort of thing yeah. and do it well. And I think sort of this is so important to kind of showcase what each person is doing. Yeah, That's why I was like, get me on it. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think it's the point, isn't it? It, it? It's showing that no matter what these people are doing and, you know, doing amazing things is they started from somewhere and yeah. everyone's journey is completely different. And for me, I listen to a lot of similar podcasts to this in different areas, but you can learn something from everyone, whether it's relative to your career or your lifestyle yeah, or not. 100%. You can still learn from that person. So, you know, I wanted to make this platform for people like you and the people I know who have these stories and give, you know, the opportunity for people to learn from that as yeah. well as myself learning from it as well. And a selfish Amen. one. So, yeah, so what was your kind of first steps like did you did you go to uni you yeah a- so i went to roehampton do that <laughs> yeah i studied journalism and creative writing i've always only like i think i've even in school i was never good at really any other subject like maths or science mm. or anything but writing and creative writing especially i liked always writing stuff i started writing poetry in the beginning eventually years later i published my own book which was the first thing that i was really proud of that i put my own book out after that, I was kind of like, do you know what? I love music and I love, love writing. Why don't I just combine the two? So I started focusing more on that. I started getting like internships at Rewind Magazine and sort of other different platforms. Um, and I remember there was um, my mentor at the time was Hattie Collins. Mm. And I just couldn't believe I sat next to her every day for like two weeks. And I, was, I, didn't, I never even used to speak because I was just like, this is Hattie Collins. But um, on the last day, I remember she just, um, she knew my book was coming out. And she took me downstairs and, she was, and I was like, oh my God, I'm having coffee with Hattie Collins. And she was like, I want to put you in the ones to watch for a new issue because I think you'll go on to do good things. Mm. And I was like, burst out crying in front of her, like some <laughs> soppy guy. But yeah, she kind of was like, what do you want to do from here? And then I don't know how, I don't know how it happened, but um, I think JP got involved, um, who was heading MTV The Wrap Up. Yeah. And I started writing for him, met the MTV team, like eventually just worked. A few years later, I've now become the editor, which is really cool. I've got a best friend who's in the room with us, you won't see her, but yeah, she was the editor at the time as well, so I worked with her very closely. So yeah, yeah, made some good friends, and everything I wanted to do with music journalism I've done. Yeah. So I'm quite proud and happy with that. How did you find that that aspect, or still find that aspect of like trying to get your work seen by editors and by platforms and to get your work out there? How was that process for you? Do you know, I think... Like I was, I was just happy to do anything. Like in terms of when, when I used to pitch to people, like, and some they'd be like, no, not with this. And they're like, okay, if that, if that's not what you want, then what do you want? <laughs> like I'm more than, and if they're like, we want you to interview, if would you be up for interviewing MC and any name? And it would be like an unknown person. And I wasn't selective because I had no experience. I needed to build my experience. And so that's why I kind of like, I say this to now, like my writers are part of my blog, or even like my team at MTV or anybody like, like, don't just be like, I want to interview like, the big people and even talk about the big stuff. Like, start from like emerging artists and new artists mm. and like focus on like from the ground up. Don't just be like, oh, if they're not J. Cole or like Stormzy, I don't want to be talking to them. And like, that's what I feel like. That's why I feel it worked for me in a sense. I was happy to just like really put my feet anywhere just to build some sort of experience, build knowledge, and not being pride, like have my pride kick in and be like, oh, I'm better than that. And that's where I, I hope that's what it was anyway. Yeah. yeah. And, and how important do you think? experiences in general because you know like you said you did go to uni you studied what you ended up doing essentially but how invaluable was getting that experience and really cutting your teeth in the industry yeah I think the experience was and this is just for me and I wouldn't say put this out for everyone else but for me experience has probably helped me more than my journalism degree because even now I'm like hey guys I've got a degree in journalism they're like oh okay (laughs) I feel like 
saying that I've worked here, there and there and working for different households and for different platforms really helped because of my CV at that point was there was loads of different publications I'd written for. And I think that's why other people gave me an opportunity. Um, whereas if I didn't have that and I just had my degree, I don't know how far that would have got. Yeah. But go uni, everyone. Yeah, stay in school. <laughs> definitely stay in school. <laughs> for well, me, yeah. yeah. Well, I'm like of a similar thing to you. I did with, but I didn't go to uni. And yeah. like everything I did was experience. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, I did a talk earlier today about how that experience is invaluable. <laughs> like, obviously what you learn in uni is kind of like, kind of a, a fast track and yeah. kind of, you know, you're getting the real theory of it. But in, until you start doing it, like you, you can read the theory on how to drive a car exactly. but until you step in that car, it's like yeah, driving yeah, it, yeah, you, yeah, don't, yeah. you don't know how to drive. 100%. You know, you, you're always going to be learning when you step into the car. Um, so yeah, and then, and then so once you started the journalism thing, you started getting involved in a lot of other aspects of the music world, yeah. didn't you, in terms of like press and, and things like that. Yeah. So what what was your, your ins there? There I initially started um, just through kind of doing journalism, I would meet a lot of PRs and they would want obviously me to interview their artists and stuff. Um, and then I met uh, a girl called Rachel Campbell. She was working at a, com a PR company at the time and she used to look after all the American artists that started coming over. Um, she le eventually she left um, and I rang the place because I, I knew American artists was coming over and they were like, oh, we don't have anyone doing the PR, do you want to do it? Obviously, I was like, Rachel, can I do it? Because <laughs> at that point, we became really good friends. And she's like, do it. It's like a new yeah. sort of avenue for you to go into. And you didn't have any, like, nah, previous... Like, it was just me, literally, like, following sort of Rachel's lead and how she used to do her work. Yeah. At that point, we became such good friends that I used to, like, ask her, like, a lot about PR. And yeah, yeah. she's dope. Um, and, yeah, so I started working on, like... They gave me a read. I won't say his name, but it gave me quite a, like... At that time, it was quite big. And I was just like, oh, my God, I'm looking after this American dude. I mean, it, it was easy in a sense because I came from a journalism background that I, it was literally just like calling my friends. It's like X, Y, Z from that magazine and blah, 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 blah. Say, do you want to interview? And they literally, by within an hour, they had like a 10 slot in press day of everyone mm. like just ready to come and interview him. And then more and more, I started like, I want to do this more often. This is quite fun and seeing how that side of the music industry works. Eventually, um, Cyan, who she reached out and she was like, come meet me. I want to have a chat with you. I was like, oh, Cyan Anderson's calling me. <laughs> so, and then, yeah, I sat down with Cyan, and then, yeah, she was like, I want to offer you a position at my car. She had a PR company at the time called Sidetracked, and she was like, I want to offer you a position there. Started working there. It was like some amazing campaigns, and that's where I learned a lot about how it actually works. I thought I knew a lot, but until I started mm -hmm. working there, and that's where I realised that actually there's a lot yeah. more to it. That was sort of things. What were the biggest things you learned then? I think just really how to project manage, how to, like, how important, like, Basically, as, as an artist, the whole thing is like, we want to be perceived as this and this is my story. How do I, how do I get that story out to the masses? And I was like, out of before then, I was like, I don't know. <laughs> but yeah. I kind of learned that, like, how to make interesting conversations around campaigns and around artists and selling it to press, how to pitching the artists. And that, I, I didn't know that until obviously I got the role and just learning from Cyan because yeah. she's a whiz kid. Yeah. <laughs> and that, yeah, so I started working, a lot of the artists that we worked with as well, like, I liked a lot. So it was like, it wasn't work. It was I was passionate about it because of the the campaigns that we were doing. They were genuinely interesting, mm. and I would listen to like going to work or going on the tube or wherever else. Yeah, yeah. So it was good. It was really good. So like, yeah, so you had that. You, you you almost had that knowledge, didn't you? And the passion for yeah. the artist that you said exactly. So it yeah. makes the job a bit easier. Whereas if you're being given like some you know, and offense to country and folk music, like yeah. country and folk music artist that you're yeah, not yeah. necessarily known about, it, you know, the job becomes different. You're basically. Yeah grabbing onto every bit of knowledge and every bit of experience you've got and how you've done things previously yeah. but in a world you're not familiar with 
that yeah no, that honestly that goes to anything else like learn being there I learned that like it's, if you like if you're not passionate about what you're doing then it's never gonna work and that applies to any sort of role or industry that you work in if you don't care or your heart's not really in it yeah. it's so transparent it comes or eventually it will be transparent that and I think that's I enjoy being a PR and whereas I hear so many stories oh like my PR and this mm. and this and I'm like it can be stressful of course that's any job but if you like what you're doing and you believe in what you're selling I don't think it should be like something that you dislike yeah. Or like or yeah but it's funny because I think even back then I think that's how we first met yeah with Moz like when we were doing our blog thing yeah, like yeah. You'd hit us up and be like, oh, I've got this artist. Do you want to come and yeah, 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 for the blog? Yeah, yeah. And we'd be like, yeah, you know, we were the same. We'd always say yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's like you, you're forced into these rooms and these these areas where you're just learning as you go. It's quite funny that it's just play this podcast is called Dreamers Disease because one of the campaigns we did was Dreamers Disease yeah. with Stormzy, which is lit. But I was like, and I think that's when I hit you up as well. But like, or it was like, come down and speak to him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was yeah. A lot, a lot of the artists that we worked with, seeing them now, I'm like, wow, like, yeah. I'm, I'm proud. I even had like a little bit of input in like helping whatever you wanted to do at the time. So yeah. it's, it's great. Like, I think I definitely will never forget that experience of being a PR. So yeah. that, that was really good. And then how much did that feed into setting up and starting part of my blog? Because, yeah, you know, again, that was a, a time when blogs were like the thing that everyone was doing yeah, whereas yeah. like now you know where well, everyone's always got a club night but now everyone's yeah, like yeah, yeah. doing the podcast thing and now you know yeah. it's the it, it feels like a very similar kind of time yeah so how did the experience you had like from the press and the journalism then feed into and where did the fire come from to want to start it as well? i mean that came before even i even started doing pr like with pardon blog we launched april 2011 um and that was i mean i was very happy to like learn from all of these different places i was writing for but one thing I kept hitting was a wall, like you can't say that or you can't write that or you've got to write this differently. And I think that's when I was like, you know what, like I wanted to set my own thing, like where I had, there is no restrictions. And I think we're part, we've part of my blog is that there are no rules. We can be as ruthless as we want. We will never be like, share like the most popular opinion because it's cool, it's popular to say that. If we don't like something, we're more than happy to say it's, we don't like it. Mm. And every writer who joins us knows that. Yeah. so I mean it's awkward when you as well like there's been times where it's like when you when you go get into the industry you make friends and artists become your friends and then they like message you like bro that's why did you talk like that about my artist and I'm like it's I had there's like a line where it's like like I might like your artist but if this writer feels like that he has the right yeah. to say this or she has the right to say that and that's what the brand is about like just yeah. being like unapologetically yourself yeah and do, do you give the the license to the writers in terms of like who they can write about that they do like or don't like or what they say about not, not everything it's more of like an open sort of thing like if, yeah. if they if they really if as, as long as they feel strongly about it if they just like going at someone like just for the sake of going at someone then no but if they have like valid points of like xyz then 100% like write it and if i have to like get that person calling me later I'll, like i'll eventually have to do it there has been times it's been a bit awkward and but i'm kind of glad that more more importantly like next year as well we just want to stick to our guns and not kind of changing away from just being honest and I think like uh, it's, it's sometimes it's, it's sad when like as, as much as I like reading blogs it's like if you go on one blog you see you go on the next next blog and it's like okay you're all just copying the same thing that you got sent in your inbox via press release and like that's not what journalism or blogging yeah. should be about yeah. just if you like it then post it rather than it's PR driven or it's a popular opinion. Yeah, it's important, isn't it? Because, yeah, it's that thing of everyone just ends up doing the same or sounding the same yeah, or yeah, looking yeah. the same. And 
you you're, need to you're, have yeah. that element of standing out. Exactly, and you'll notice that as well. I, I, I mean, I'm, I'm, I've been guilty a few times. It's like it's, everyone's post, an artist drops a video and everyone's be the first posting it, or but then everything just sounds too samey, and it's like, what makes your blog different? So I think that's what part of my blog. I was happy to launch that. Just if you don't like it, we're not going to post it. We don't care who it is, and if it's good, we'll obviously champion it. Yeah. So that's that's what part of my blog. Yeah, and that's about. one of the things that we we stuck with when me and Moz set up the yeah, blog yeah. was like. We just blogged about music that we liked, and that exactly. could have been like the latest Foles record, yeah, yeah, or yeah, yeah, it yeah. could have been like the latest hot rapper, or it yeah, could have been yeah. some upcoming kid from South London, yeah. or it could have been some R and B singer or whatever. You know, we just yeah. whatever we liked, we were just cool. This is wicked. Let's let's put the video up or let's put the. That's why we collabed. Yeah, like, like a few years ago in like, yeah, yeah. Shoreditch. Uh, our, was it our launch or your no our launch? I think we the did. launch of your club. Yeah, now. yeah, yeah, yeah. We did yeah. it with you guys. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, Kind of I was a dope night. Yeah. <laughs> Part two soon come. Yeah. <laughs> um, so and it, so with the with the blog, how did you then go about starting from zero? Yeah. And building up a following, building up um, you know readers that that came back, building up your yeah social media, you know influence and everything else. Do you know with that like that's I wouldn't say that's me at all. Like the team that started part of my blog was. Frederick, Ralph Hardy, uh, Mr. Exposed, Keith, Tony, and there's so many different people, and those, all of those people had their own personalities, and they all look after different sections of the site, and I think they helped it get a massive following. Like even our numbers now, I always go back and look at, and I think this started because of those people. Mm. Like, because they were the writers. They were the, they were like they had they were like the editors or like yeah. they were leading a certain part of part of my blog, and they're the ones who kind of built each part of it mm. um, and then eventually when they kept building it more people wanted to be involved and now there's like massive editorial team there's like an advertising person there's a social media team there's it's just grown from originally when me and my friend sat down and said should we do this mm. and they were like yeah there's two of us let's go out then yeah. but people like Ralph and people like Keith and like Tony and everyone else they're the ones who even Rachel she was a part of it for a long time mm. as well like they're the people that kind of built it what it is now so I when it comes to like how easy it was it wasn't easy but I think it, it, I was grateful that I had a lot of help with all these good people around at the time when we first launched it yeah, yeah. and w was that part of the plan was to go and find people who were like voices in inverted commas or like yeah. people who were kind of known in, in a certain sense to be the writers and to have yeah. to be the voice of the brand I think for each thing like for example I knew I know I've known Ralph for a while for, for him for example I know he Ralph is a music kid like and if anyone wants to if I was going to find someone who's going to head the music side of it it would have to be Ralph and he's so opinionated which just tied in with part mm. of my blog's whole brand anyway same with Keith he was going to talk about social issues and he was just known on Twitter to always talk about social issues and that was his thing so I wanted to only go for people with some people that did join part of it they might not have the best like amount of followers or the greatest but they really like what they have what they were happy and passionate about I wanted them to lead yeah. that part of part of my blog because it would make sense and I think, yeah, that part of it was more about who would be the best in terms of like how they are as a person in opposed to like who's the most known. Mm -hmm. But yeah, Ralph and yeah, Keith, they really like smashed it. And what's some of the work that you're most proud of for the blog? I think joining Vice's blogging network was good because like just getting their support and a few stuff we've done like events and things, that's been really good. Um, and more so just even launching the event side of it was dope. The artists that we've interviewed before, I remember when I used to, when I was part of MTV, um, I'd always email the PR back and I used to get interviews and be like, oh, um, 
if you don't mind, can I um, like have like two questions at the end of all my blog? Like mm. it's called part of my blog, and now it's like the same eyes. They'll be like, no, you've got your own twenty minutes slots, and having access to be able to mm. get make con- great content and have like features and stuff like that. Whereas before, it was just like, hey, I've got a blog here, check yeah. it out. But I feel like it's it's quite like it's it's it might not be the biggest. It might not be an SVGRM or link up, but we have our own little lane yeah. within the urban music industry. Yeah. And seeing that from where it started to being like that is is quite quite sick to see yeah it's yeah. wicked you know it go, and it goes down to the hard work doesn't it at the end of the day yeah and, yeah, and, yeah and building things up it's not like you just sat at home and did a post every day once a day yeah yeah it's like you're yeah. out there trying to make things happen and trying to grow from the start yeah and i think that kind of is reflected in where it, where the blog's got to now yeah which is very important and then with what you do in terms of digital marketing yeah. for the quietus quietus is that how you yeah. Say it? yeah yeah quietus like how did you get into that where did that come mm-hmm. from so after sort of being doing like PR, I was like towards the end of it. I was thinking I've always found digital marketing like and just building socials and everything. I think that in the way that everything was going anyway was going towards that, and I found it fascinating how it works and how streaming and like monetizing of everything like that world was so interesting to me. Um, so I knew that eventually away from PR, I want to get into that in the end. Um, and then a role one of my friends hit me up saying there's like a role going at this company called Quietus. And they happened to manage my normal favorite artist, Leanne Le Havis. And they were like, would you want to go for it? And I was like, yeah, like, get me the interview. And then and I had no experience with digital. So I sat down with them, I was quite honest. And I was like, but this is why I'm interested and blah, blah, blah. And for, I don't know, they just believed in me. Mm. And yeah, so I started working there in June 2015. Yeah, but when you say you have no experience in digital, you just built up a whole blog platform and you've been yeah, doing the PR thing mainly on digital platforms. But nothing to do with like, oh, how do you monetize a YouTube video? Or like, I had never got involved in that side of it. I yeah. may have like overseeing stuff, but never like, right, really specialized yeah. in how the streaming work or CPMs and like mm. all this stuff. It was so new to me. And I, and I always found it fascinating, but I never like really had the experience of doing it. But um, so when I saw that was like a role or like I could possibly go into, I was like, you know what, Let, let's go into that because that's something I'm actually interested in. Yeah. And how long have you been doing that for now? It's just under two years now. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I'm enjoying it. It's like every day you just, with the whole, how it changes so much every day, there's something like a new feature and like this is happening on this platform. I'm sure you know. Cause yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I find it interesting and it's like always like, there's, it's never boring. It's like you always walk in and think, oh my God, what's going to change today in this platform? Or yeah. Else? But yeah, it's, it's good. Keeps you on your toes. Yeah, <laughs> massively. <laughs> massively. Uh, so, the one thing that I'm really interested in yeah. about what you do yeah. is, for those who are watching, the hoodie that you're wearing, the wristband oh. that you've given me yeah. is Road to Freedom. Yeah. How, why, where did that come from? Yeah. Where did the urge come from? What? First of all, what is it? Can you explain oh, it so a Road bit to more? Freedom is a uh, non-profit charity um, that delivers direct aid, distributes direct aid to refugees fleeing war-torn countries. So yeah, we've travelled like how many countries? Just all over Europe, really. Personally, handing aid ourselves to refugees, and we started now actually getting aid delivered into countries that we might not be able to go into ourselves, but working with people who can get it in there, to so like places like Somalia, Syria, and yeah. Mm. And when you say aid, what sort of things do you mean? Oh, so it's food, clothes, hygiene, like hygiene kits, medical. Now, it, I mean, the situation has changed so much. So now it's like more long term stuff like accommodation mm. and like surgeries if it's needed and like um, legal advice because of asylum and things like that. So it's kind of all over. Whereas initially it was direct aid. 
mm. like food and clothing because the borders were open but I guess we're going to that <laughs> yeah so then so then so where did that urge come from for you as Ray to step in and go right I'm gonna do something and who did you initially do it with yeah so I mean I, I just remember I remember this day very very well it was in September in 2015 I just went into work and I was just on my computer and I just see like I was just reading like I think there's some articles online and I just saw a picture and I think it had gone viral of um a, a, a toddler who was drowned on a, a beach in Turkey yeah. and I don't know something I, I, when I saw that picture like, something just like even now talking about it makes me feel a bit awkward but um, uh, yeah just seeing his like him just his lifeless body just there I, I just couldn't even, like believe I, did, I thought it was not even real at one point I thought maybe it's from like a, a, a film and like how can they do that even in a film and I'm just like reading what it was about and it's, his name was Alan Kurdi he was a Syrian boy um, and he was trying to get to Europe fleeing the conflict and he had drowned when his boat capsized him and his family and I just couldn't even believe that this was happening in Europe in like 2015 at the time and I was just like mm. what um I remember just I, I walked outside and I rang my sister and I'm just I'm quite close to my sister and I just burst out crying on the phone saying like how can we help these people and um she yeah she said to me like um this is this crisis has been going on for so long the war in Syria started in 2011 and I just felt so stupid, like so dumb. Like, I, I mean, I was just so engrossed in this music industry and trying to make it and my mm. career and throwing parties and shorty hitching. <laughs> like, I just felt like, how can I be so dumb? Like this has happening, been happening for so long. And um, she said, you know, there's a camp in France, like we can take, make parcels and take aid to them. And I was like, Let's, when can we do it? And she's like, we need to raise money. And then she explained like, let's make, raise money and then we can buy the food and we'll make parcels ourselves. At that time, it was just me, my sister, and her husband, my brother-in-law, and I was like, okay, let me go and go fund me and just set up like a target of 2,000 so we can purchase the aid. I, at that point, I didn't know or think that anyone else would feel what I feel, and I thought, it's mm. just maybe, is it just me that's feeling like really odd? And then as soon as I put up the link, within like 24 hours, every, everyone had just like raised the funds. Really? Wow. We just donated so quick, and I realized that actually like, so many people do want to help, but they just don't know how. Mm. And that's where it was. So when, and then eventually we started making food parcels. So many like people from the industry, friends and everyone came around to help me make them. And then we went to Calais and then, yeah, just meeting them, like actually like giving food to them and speaking to refugees and hearing stories. And just when I came back, I think a lot of my friends and family were like, you, we've seen, a, you can just see a change in you so drastically. Yeah. Like you, within that one trip that changed my life. Yeah. And, yeah did it give you like a new perspective on life massively like I'd, 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 I was the guy that would if I missed a train I'm like ah fuck F's sake like, the train's gone like and gotta wait two minutes yeah, for two the minutes. next one oh, like oh, there's a delay and like just yeah. and just yeah I mean I'm not, like I said I've never really been a bad guy but I've always just been like had like like just I have a stupid thing I guess everyone's just like, like yeah I mean I'm still like that now but not into a sense of that like I just realised it's not that bad like in comparison to when you meet people like amputee children and like the people who really lost everything and they were the only thing they're holding on into is like a picture of like their mother mm. and I'm really like moaning about if I ain't got the new fresh kicks and it just makes you just think like really is that what my life was about then and mm. so I, I made I kind of made like an effort to ensure that I'll never be how I was before that trip yeah. to Calais again yeah but yeah and on your point about you know the, the support you received in terms of raising the funds yeah. and how you kind of got that feeling that people do want to help. Yeah. Where do you think the problem lies and where's the disconnect in terms of like people wanting to help but then actually going to do it? Is it something that maybe seems too daunting in terms of like yeah. approaching charities or is it because people literally don't know where to go? 
Like, what, yeah. where's that disconnect? I think it's a mix of everything. A, the first thing a lot of people said to me is that we wanted to help, but we just never knew how. Like, and the second thing with that saying that is that with charities, like especially the massive ones, I think there's a lot of like this mistrust. Like, people don't actually trust the big ones because they're like, is my money even gonna go there? And I think seeing like your pal, like I would rather you would rather give a tenner to your pal because you know you trust him and you know that mm. the tenner you gave him, he's gonna go to Tesco or wherever else and buy a food and actually go himself and give it to the people. And that is what, like, I feel has worked with Road to Freedom is that, like, I'm, I'm grateful that people trust me with money and know that it's, it is non-profit. We are, any, any expenses in terms of travel, like, if I'm saying out longer in these countries, I'll actually pay for my own accommodation, pay for my own flights there. Any mm. money that, if you give me a tenner, I'm going to show you what I did with that tenner. Mm. And I think a lot of it was, like, the tro- not trying to, wanting to give it to big charities because of the stain that it's had, that admin fees and all this as well as the fact that people don't know how to help. They see it on the news, but they're like, how do we even reach those people? Yeah. So I think those two factors definitely are like yeah. why there's a disconnect. Yeah. yeah, I think yeah, I think it's true because you know, I've had a few conversations recently with people who do similar kind of work. Yeah. And yeah, I think it's that, you know, you, you get the people in, in the street who are trying to recruit, you know, yeah, people yeah, to, yeah. The cha- to, to start, you know, supporting the charities through donations and stuff like that. Yeah. And it becomes almost like, you know, and it, and it sounds horrible to say it, but like an inconvenience to people because yeah, it's like, yeah, yeah. you know, it's that thing of like, you're so in the zone in your life in terms of like, I'm not, I might be late to work exactly. and you're trying to stop me too. Yeah, 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 and yeah, people yeah. kind of really got that mindset and it's kind of, then they see, you know, the the things like, what's the, the big one they call, do on TV called? Oh, Children in Need. Yeah, so when yeah, they do like yeah, yeah. Children in Need and they, yeah, do, yeah. they do the films yeah. and you know, you see these children who are suffering and et cetera and then it's like, phone this number to then you go actually but where's my where's yeah, my money yeah, gonna yeah, go yeah. like yeah you you do want to kind of almost see that return on it in a yeah. not just in a selfish way but to know that your money's actually doing the job that exactly. you've intended it to do when you've given it yeah and i think that's really important about what you're doing is you you are you know proof that 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 money is going to the right places yeah. and it's going there very directly and no, i appreciate that when you first went to Calais, yeah. did you just rock up with a load of stuff, or did you have to? <laughs> yeah. you know, did you have to go through like a process of like setting up a, a, an official charity, or did did you literally just get off the train at Calais with a bag of like, food <laughs> no. and a bag of clothes? And that would be crazy <laughs> if I did. <laughs> um, initially, like there was at that point, the charity had wasn't set up. Um, I was just like, I'm going on a road to Calais, and I was like, that's the name of the GoFundMe Road to Calais. Um, and then I, when I, I started researching about what's happening in Calais, then I saw there was a camp called the Jungle, which I don't like calling because they're not animals, but um, that's the gut, uh, locals, whoever else gave them that name, the name. Um, and then I found out there were other charities on the ground already. And Common Sense just said, contact those people first and find out exactly what's needed without just like turning up. Because, and then when we, and I'm glad we did that because when we got there, they said, thanks for reaching out and getting in touch because since the picture, of the boy who had drowned, so many people did actually just turn up with, mm. and they'll drive into um, the camp, and obviously these people are desperate. They see a car walking, driving in with aid, and they literally just run to the car and like, and the volunteers would get out, would be like, "What is going on?" and just get back in their cars and drive off and post things negative about them on social media. They like, they like crazy, but I'm like, you. I'm glad that we actually had like a system in place before we went, and who mm. took us in and helped us distribute like. And it was it was it was a really good trip, and we helped quite a few, lot, lot, quite a lot of people actually on that on that trip. But yeah, I mean, I even now I'd always say, if never just turn up to a refugee camp or any sort of crisis without kind of doing research and making contacts on the ground. 
Yeah. Um, there are many other NGOs. They are always go towards like like smaller NGOs rather than like the big corporations because I just in terms of my own trust, especially and the things I've seen with sort of which I might might not go into about the biggest charities on yeah. the ground. But yeah, I think it was important to just and even every sort of country I've been to to help refugees, I've always like found a, like an NGO or charity on the ground, a small one to actually like team up with because they will know the situation way better than me. Like yeah, and yeah, so I think that's really important. And what's the atmosphere like when you get there? Because I watched the... Um, I don't know if you've seen it. You've seen the, the Reggie Yates Inside the documentary Not yet. Yeah, yeah, everyone sent me that. Same. He, yeah, he yeah, goes yeah. to the... I think it's a, a refugee camp of, yeah. in Syria. Yeah, yeah. And it's really surprising, actually, because you see the, the, the things you get fed on TV and in the yeah. news that of, like, you know... It basically looks like a, like you said, a, a human jungle. Yeah, yeah, do you know yeah, what I mean? yeah. But it was actually the one that he went to was actually kind of set up like a mini city, like yeah. a mini town. There was, there was like, built. There was actual buildings and yeah. like schools and I hospitals think, yeah, and he shops. Went to and, Jordan, I think. Yeah, and people like, yeah. were like yeah, 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 had yeah. restaurants in. Yeah, and they were running businesses. Yeah, and yeah, really yeah, like, yeah, yeah. That was really eye-opening for me. Like, so how is that kind of atmosphere when you arrive in terms of? with the refugees themselves yeah obviously they're there in dire need which is why they're there but yeah, what's the yeah. kind of atmosphere like overall i mean it, it it changes every country you go to so like france um i mean when the jungle camp before it was uh, demolished it was very much to what you're saying they were like every sort of wherever country you're from you had your own area so like the afghans had their area the syrians had their area people from sudan eritrea they, everyone had their own area and every area you walk into it's like you're going into a new town mm. like the afghans would be like the ones who like have the shops <laughs> And like um like the area the Sudanese are in terms of all about the food and it's like you're walking into like it's like kind of like and then a lot of them describe it as like we're living in like uh, we're living in villages when we're we're from and some are like we we've never lived in we've from cities so it was just kind of like they 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 made use of whatever they have like and that's one thing that really kind of took away from them is like they're so self sufficient if I mean if I was to put myself in their shoes I wouldn't even know how to survive but they're like yeah. if they if you give them one thing they they will make ten things out of it and yeah. I'm just like how do you ever your brain work like that i was like fascinated by it like they're so incredible human beings that they just like they can they know how to they had they they know nothing else but how to survive like or learn how to survive and i just think like that their strength really really inspired me and their sort of perseverance so i mean with greece it was very different um i mean with Calais, it was predominantly men but when you go further into europe is when you start seeing the children mm. and some of them literally have just tagged along with random strangers because their parents have been killed and they just staring at you like and taking aid of you like and not even they just and I always just think like what are you how must what what must they think like this random strangers come in give us food and give us clothes and then they go then a new set of people come in they just think this is normal because they've never seen anything different either this or war so it's yeah. like I always when I when I get home I always just kind of just like sit down and just think what was that child thinking when I gave him a food parcel or like a pair of a jacket or a pair yeah. of trainers like, and I, that I, even to this day I always think what are they thinking yeah and it's yeah and it's the, I think seeing the children for me is the hardest thing and I don't think like I've, I'd ever get used to that like mm. especially when you run out of aid and there's like a line of 50 children who were waiting for it and you you're kind of like I can't give it to you and yeah. seeing their faces and you're just like I should have raised more I could have done more yeah. Even like yeah, it's just it's 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 it, either that feeling is probably the worst feeling like any I've ever felt in my life, like turning children away because you don't have enough. Yeah, and that yeah, so it, it does change in terms of your question. It changes where you, yeah. whatever country you go to, because the situation is always different. Yeah, and do, do you always end up leaving with that sense of wanting or needing to give more and do more and and next time come back with 
loads or amounts of aid or, or yeah. whatever it may be or doing bigger things like you said now in terms of helping people find housing yeah. and wh- whatever it may be yeah I mean in, initially when we first started going out to these trips the borders um, were open so people from Syria and Iraq and Libya and all these other places in sub-Saharan Africa sorry were able to get to European countries and then one by one all, all of Europe started closing its borders and then they were just stuck at checkpoints and that's when they started losing hope and there were suicides there were like um, so many medical illnesses that couldn't get treated and that and people needed to like start living in the places they were stuck at like if it was Croatia was it Germany or sorry if it was Greece and that's when it started getting to a point where like okay we need to still do the food and stuff like that but actually start helping more of a long term scale like getting them in housing helping them with the operations and things like that so but yeah every time I've come back from a country I just it, that feeling will never go I don't think even if like we've helped hundreds tens or thousands of people like it would always be like you could have done more right mm. and that I don't and I think that just never that feeling will never go no matter how many times yeah, I go out there of course and are you looking to like grow the team are you you know actively l- moving on to those bigger things and yeah. the rest of it um I mean team wise it's like um, the charity is very universal in any religion, any race, any gender. Like, there's no sort of discrimination based on that. Like, we're, there, pe- there's been people from all walks of life sitting in my living room, <laughs> helping make food parcels, and mm. I love that because that kind of defines like, the humanity in a sense. Like, there's a Muslim, there's a Jew, there's a Christian, there's an atheist. When we're just all like, who gives a shit? Sorry if I'm sorry, no. but who cares? Like, forget that. Like, we're all we just all care about humans, and mm. that's as as a person, as a, as a man, I've always wanted to like be that guy that doesn't care if someone's Muslim, Christian, Jew, black, white, right? it does not matter to me, like, the main thing is just being human first mm. before any of that. And that, with that, I mean, the, it's always an open invite to anyone that wants to help. I mean, we're going like, in a few weeks and I've had people reach out to me like, can I get involved? And they're actively now even fundraising as we're talking to, and they, I love that, like, it's, mm. it's, it's not, it's, Rosie Freedom is not my thing, it's for anyone that feels what I feel and wants to help, it's part of yours as well, and yeah. let's, let's use it as, a way to help people. And what what's where did, where will Road to Freedom be in five years' time? Hopefully, like I, um, I hope we just get more. I think the main thing is, um, I mean, it's it's sad to say this, but it is we we just need more funding. And I think if we get, if like governments and companies really invest and see the work we're doing, and that could help a lot more people. And it's hopefully like in the next five years, it's like it's grown further into not just Europe, but we can actually start going into like these actual war-torn countries ourselves with like sort of government's backings and like protection to actually physically deliver it ourselves. Cause I really respect the people who are doing it for us right now. They're not part of Road to Freedom. They're on their own sort of charities who are near the wall, like so sort of conflict zones mm. doing it themselves. And I want Road to Freedom to also be that brave and that willing to be able to enter those sort of areas and deliver aid themselves. And I think, yeah, in five years, hopefully, like, things are going the way they are, we will be able to kind of broaden it in yeah. geographically as well. Yeah, amazing, hopefully. Yeah. And if, if anyone does want to get involved or yeah. donate or help in any way, where can they go? How can they find it? How can they... Through me, or the Road to Freedom on all social media. I'm Raid Khan underscore on all social media. Um, yeah, just my email's out there on every sort yeah. of thing that you see with Road to Freedom. Just, I'm, I'm more than happy for anyone to get involved, whether it's making food parcels or if you want to come out to a refugee camp with me or just even just mm. to kind of like how to raise awareness on social media mm. there's so many different ways people can get involved yeah it's like we'd run an event called grind made as well if people want to help with that there's yeah, yeah. there's just loads of different things yeah man I'd, I'd love to come one day like honestly yeah yeah, yeah I, I think, think honestly I'd I love think to. you'd be really I really be amazing as well, yeah 
And um, I know you as well. So that's <laughs> I know, like, yeah, yeah you yeah. being there would like it would, yeah. it would mean a lot. I think to me as well as them. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, we'll do it. We'll sort it out. Yeah, and we'll, yeah. we'll link everything up in in the things in here so people can get involved. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. Etc. But Grimey, you just mentioned there. That, yeah, that yeah, was yeah. the next thing I was going to come to. Yeah. Um, that's coming back for the third year in it's the fourth year. Fourth year, year sorry, yeah, in yeah. 2018. Yeah. Again, like, where did that? Where was that born out of? How did it come about? Um, what was the process in terms of setting it up as an event? Yeah. Etc. After I, so after I got back from Calais for my first trip, um, I was back, then I was going to head to the borders of Serbia and Croatia. I was like, I need to fundraise, and I didn't want to do the same GoFundMe sort of thing and asking people for money. And, I was, and then I realised that, okay, A, I love Graham. I've worked in Graham. Um, and B, like, I love charity now. <laughs> so why don't I just combine the two? And I, I remember it was like 10 days before the actual event, I rang um, Caroline. I was like, Caroline, I've got the maddest idea. And I just said, I want to do an event with all the Graham artists come together and help raise funds for um, my trip and then my next trip to Serbia and she literally was like and she was like when is it and I was like in 10 days so I want to do it because I'm going like in a few mm. days after that and she was like let's do it and we just literally hit up all both our contacts and I think within a few days we had a full lineup ready with like Chip Cadet Young's Tef um, mm. it was just everyone was like and Julie thank mm. God to Julie was just like yeah, of course like, I would host it Logan was involved it, it, it was just so like it was amazing to see like no one I was like, oh, I want to know about this. I want to know. As soon as they heard it, they were like, of course we want to help. Yeah. And then that's when we did. We, we I think we raised like two thousand on for that trip. Wow. And then and then the year after again we did it with Graham Daly. The year after just this year, so we've done it with Noisy. And hopefully next year we're gonna do it again. Um, this time to help them. I know people must have seen the atrocities that are happening in like sub-Saharan Africa as well as Libya. Yeah. yeah. And there, with that specifically, I have to say that it is. As it's so bad what's happening in Libya with this, uh, people being auctioned off as slaves. But there are many, many, many sub-Saharan Afri- African refugees who have fled that and have arrived in Europe. And mm. I have personally seen them living in forests. I've given aid to them. Mm. And those people, we can help. Yeah. So if if uh, it might seem impossible to help those in Libya, but there are people who have escaped that and we can help. And it's very easy to help them. So if people want to help that part of the world, like please do reach out to me because mm. we definitely would need support. Amazing, and I look forward to Grimey coming yeah, back around. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, because I think that's very important. Because, like you said, it brings a community together. Yeah. For what is essentially a greater good. Yeah. Um, other than just music, it's like you know all, all the funds are going to to helping these people who need it. So, which is you know it, it, it's incredible essentially. Yeah, <laughs> to, and I appreciate. There's not yeah. a word for it, you know. I just, and I think just I have to say it's like the artists. I have to thank them. Mm. Every artist for over how many years have performed at each Grammy. Like I really do thank them because they do it for free. No one asks for any sort of fees, um, and the people who haven't performed but have also contributed like. Every year, Stormzy will give us a carload of clothing that mm. he doesn't have to do that, yeah. and that's why I'm like he he will actually reach out himself and here's stuff that I want to donate, and yeah, yeah. no one's like he doesn't talk, he doesn't put it on his social media, yeah. he just does it from yeah. the heart, and that I think is so good. It's even like, more powerful, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, like, he's not doing it for the image of looking exactly. Like he's like, he's he just it. does it because he cares. And yeah. So that's why I think artists and like especially in the urban music industry, yeah. I thank massively because they are all have, all have good hearts. Yeah. But, it's amazing, isn't it? Like, and so with everything that you've done and are doing, who's been the biggest teacher in your life? Damn, I would say my dad. Yeah, I was, and actually my dad as well as the refugees themselves. Yeah. But um, to for for my dad, I think like how to just be a, a like he's he's everything I want to be as a man. The one story I'll quickly tell is like even when it comes to like people trusting you with money. They, we went to a, uh, we were going to France once and then I think we had someone donated five pence 
and that, at that point that's all they could give and mm. I was just like and I took it but then that week obviously we had bought all the aid and that five pence was still left and I said to my dad just throw it in the kitty for one of the other trips and my dad was like no 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 son this person gave it to you specifically for this place you're going to France mm. so the next time you're going to go to that place that's when you use that five pence yeah and I thought he was mad I was like dad it's five pence and he was like no 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 but this is someone's donation for that trip yeah and like that since I've never forgot that because he's still got that five pence because I haven't gone back there yet yeah. and I, I I just I'm glad that's how I've been raised like it's whether it's five pence five thousand or five pounds or five hundred yeah like it's someone's money and that's what they gave it for use it for what it was intended. It's the core principle of exactly it, and yeah. that's that's I, I want to be like that just a selfless person that kind of is trustworthy and that's what my dad I think he's mm. one of the persons that I would look up to in terms of teaching my life about yeah. life amazing and what, what what's the biggest lessons that you've learned in your journey so far that your first world problems are not real problems <laughs> like there is so much shit going out there in the world that is bigger than you and bigger than your issue that you must think is like the only thing that matters the life isn't about your bubble there's so many other people out there that are like are really going through real life issues that need a hand and just extend that hand because mm. if, if we don't do it no one else is sounds very cliche and sloppy but it's I've learned just like helping people is not going to make you any less of a person they're not going to take anything from you yeah like if anything like like God willing you'll be rewarded for that in, in later on but helping people doesn't make you like does not take away anything from yeah. yourself it only enhances you as a person and yeah. your energy and everything your however you want to look at it, your spirit the, yeah. the vibes that you carry everything like that it just enhances and it all comes back to you in, in full circle at some point doesn't Amen. it Amen. I, I, um, I believe that truly I've got a couple final questions for yeah. you but before we do yeah we've got a joint event coming up we do we do <laughs> which is you know the time to down tools yeah. between Christmas and New Year December we're linking 28th. up yeah we're linking up pardon my blog and Wonderlust Sick. again December 28th <laughs> um, so yeah tell us like what what do people need to know about that oh so wait we haven't announced the lineup yet but by no. this time comes out they will know right yeah, let's do it. Yeah, let's, okay, let's cool. And um, so, you want to say your DJs or so, man? So, we've got SK by Mako, got Cosmic, Shorty, and Simo Bless teaming up with Wonderlust's DJ, who are. We've got Skinny Macho, Jeremiah, Asiamar, uh, Asamaya, sorry, Twin, and DJ B. Sick. And we're doing a little back to back vibe. Yeah. So, we've got, we've got eight DJs, going to be doing back to back sets of an hour, and then. Yeah, it's going to be good vibes, man. Tickets everyone, will be everyone out. Everyone come down to that. Well, actually, tickets are out now, technically. As you're listening to yeah, this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, it should be. <laughs> if not, then yeah. Yeah, if not, we've done something wrong. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, come But now it's going to be really good, yeah. I think it's, uh, I'm looking forward to that because I've like, need something like that too. Yeah, the same. Yeah. I've had like, such a mad year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Everything going on that it's just, I feel like it's going to be a really nice time to just, everyone 100%. to just come down, just come up. together and just have a massive like, party. Massive party. <laughs> um, which is, you know, you need sometimes, don't you? You need. So, if you could rewind the clock and speak to a, a younger Raid, yeah, what three bits of advice would you give yourself to start doing? Mm. I think it has to go back to like small things. Really, ain't ain't an issue. Like, don't stop being. Don't focus on petty things. Um, second thing would be trust your tummy. If you think it's right and you think it will work, do it. And if everyone else thinks it's not gonna work, and if you genuinely believe it will, trust your tummy. Um, and the third thing, be a good human. Like, 
just be kind and, and if you are a good person already just remain kind yeah and then what one thing would you tell yourself to stop doing smoking <laughs> ruin my life <laughs> but yeah I'd probably stop smoking <laughs> I'm sure no one's ever said that no. that's amazing so matter of fact but also very important yeah. <laughs> also very important um, and then final question for you what would be your ultimate happiness goal that's going to sound like one of um, like world peace but I genuinely like well, any injustices happening in the world to come to an end whether it's <laughs> like racism, sexism, anything, like it's just a, a, any injustice in the world ending. And that would, I mean, it's in my lifetime, hopefully it happens, but if, if not, like eventually when I'm long gone, that I would love to enlighten, hopefully to think that I've had a part of playing in that yeah. ending injustice. Yeah, lovely. And hopefully, like you said, the road to freedom will cut some of that, you know, pathway through for, for yeah. that in, in, you know, in years to come and, and the legacy that it will leave or it is creating will, you know, play a part to that which would be you know See, in Arabic we say inshallah yeah well, God willing. there we go yeah <laughs> I, I've always wondered what that meant yeah yeah, yeah. I, I was like it's about to say it because <laughs> no I should have next <laughs> no, time should we re- rewind it and <laughs> <I'll do> it. <laughs> um, but yeah man thanks for joining me today no, thank man you so it's been much incredible that, and you know me. testament to everything you do you know I've been watching your journey for years being a part of it in, in small ways as well which has been incredible for, for me and to see what you're doing now and where you're going and growing into is this is massively inspiring from like an eye to eye kind of level. I appreciate that massively. Um, so yeah, man, I appreciate you taking the time out to come. You know, it's, oh, if there was the other around, I'd be saying the exact same thing to you. <laughs> so someone needs to interview Alex because <laughs> he is killing it and doing so many good things. We are all proud of you as well. Thank you, man. Pleasure. Oh, much love to you always. So there we have it, guys. As I said at the very, very start, Raid is an amazing person. You know, his story and his journey has just been incredible to watch. And I feel really blessed to have the time to sit down with him and talk about it. So if you do like what you've heard, you can hit me up on Twitter at IamAlexManzi on Instagram with the same handle. Let me know your thoughts, get in contact. So as ever, really appreciate your time. And let's go out there and chase our dreams. This podcast is produced by Unedited.